Hello, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast designed for healthcare leaders who are looking for fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and inspiration in their daily efforts to advance value-based consumer-centric healthcare. Today, we're going to be discussing global health with Catherine Gunther. Catherine, I am very, very pleased to welcome you to the show today. Uh, and let me uh, say a few words to the listeners about your uh, career. Um, I'm going to try to keep it short. You've had so many accomplishments. Catherine uh, Gunther has uh, been uh, on the farmer side of healthcare uh, for quite some time. She began her career with Merck um, and uh, rose, the, rose through the ranks, and Merck uh, was recruited uh, into a joint venture, uh, which was Astra Merck and uh, launched the marketing and sales organization in that joint venture. She left uh, Merck for a while, went on to uh, work with some startups uh, involved in mobile healthcare technology, did some very, very interesting work in future scenario planning in healthcare and pharma. She rejoined Merck in 2012, where she developed a new U.S. market commercial strategy and led the execution of a transformational B2B strategic engagement model with uh, some of Merck's top customers. Most recently, Catherine was appointed to launch Merck's global population health platform. She's been focused on antimicrobial stewardship, immunization, women's health, non-communicable disease, as well as Merck's own employee health and well-being. Catherine serves on the board of the National Business Group on Health, has uh, won uh, a number of awards from the National Business Group. And so, again, uh, a great, great pleasure to have you on the show today, Catherine. How are you? I'm terrific, Zev. Thanks so much for, for having me on this uh, podcast. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. Uh, well, it's, it's our great pleasure having you on. So, so Catherine, we're going to be talking about global health. Um, it is uh, a very, very compelling issue. There's a lot happening, a, a lot moving. Uh, what, what attracted you to take this role and um, what compels you? What, what's, what's some of the burning platforms in population health and some of the things that uh, are driving you to create the solutions you're working on? Thanks for the questions, Ev. I uh, um, have a history of starting uh, projects with it from a, a literally a blank piece of paper. So when Julie Gerberding, who I have the great pleasure of working for, uh, asked me to take on this role. Um, she had a vision to uh, have Merck become a leader in population health improvement and recognizing that we have a portfolio that addresses not only non-communicable diseases, but a spectrum of infectious diseases and the scale and reach uh, to, to have an impact uh, improving the, the health of so many people around the world. It was a great pleasure to, to take that blank piece of paper and really start to frame out how we could more, um, more deliberately connect all the dots uh, because we, essentially we are in a, in a population health business. What we do uh, with pharmaceuticals and vaccines and, and even animal health products contributes to improving health of both humans and animals. But we haven't had really a, a deliberate platform in which to uh, show the value that we can bring, uh, and and you know hopefully become a preferred partner in public private uh, partnerships. So we've launched this platform. Uh, it was it became evident early on that in order for us to become 
a leader or be perceived as a leader in population health, we really needed to hold the mirror up to ourselves and and look at our own employees and and the health status uh, of our own of our own workforce. And we've got sixty five thousand employees around the globe, so that was a really important and incredible place for us to start. So we've been focusing uh, both internally and and externally on some projects. But so that's that's a bit of a start as to uh, how I'm how I'm looking at this opportunity. You know, Catherine, you, you just said something which uh, this show is focused on on looking for ways that experts are reframing the healthcare uh, problem, the healthcare challenge. And, and I've never actually heard what you just said before. People talk about global population health, and then separately, people talk about employee health or employee health and wellness. And, and what you just did. Uh, and please tell me if I, I misunderstood it, but you, you actually uh, see employee health, at least you just described it, as almost a portal into, into population health. And is that, is that I mean, do you, do you see the two connected in, in some way? Absolutely. I think the private industry, large corporations, and even all, all companies actually have an opportunity to contribute to not only the health of the workforce, but their families, because health really starts at home. And there's spillover effect into communities as well, if you think about the the triple bottom line. Uh, So I think there's an enormous opportunity for for organizations to really lean in on employee health. And And when I talk about that, I'm really speaking holistically. So it's physical health, emotional and mental health, financial health and safety is also a critical factor. I'm a a member of the Global Chief Medical Officers Network, which is powered by BUPA and headquartered in London. Uh, And and this is a gathering of 55 chief medical officers who really have a passion for sharing best practices and learnings and and helping one another create the healthiest workforces uh, possible. Because there's clearly not only a, a personal benefit, but there's a business impact. You know, there's increasing evidence now that suggests that uh, a healthier workforce is a more uh, loyal, more engaged, more productive workforce. And it's really important in terms of attracting and retaining talent. So there are a myriad of reasons why I believe the private sector can contribute in a very meaningful way to improving population health around the, around the globe. You know, Catherine, this, this, this connection between uh, global health and employer health or employee health is one that some listeners might balk at a little bit. Uh, and, and as you're talking, uh, I'm recalling some statistics that I've come across from the World Health Organization that I think really underscore what you're saying and support this idea that employer health is that they're they're intricately linked and and perhaps there's uh, an opportunity a greater opportunity than we perceive to have an impact on global population health through employers uh, the WHO has uh, has predicted that uh, although currently uh, the global work product, uh, the, the amount that uh, healthcare consumes of the global work, uh, work product 
is about 5%. So that's about 5% of the global uh, work revenue uh, it, it goes to paying for health care. And the WHO is predicting that by 2030, which is only about a dozen years away, that 50% 50, 50 uh, of all global work product will be spent on health care costs, which is an astonishing uh, and actually a little bit frightening number. Uh, what's, what verifies that even more is that there, there are uh, other analyses that within the United States that indicate that for the millennials, the prediction is that exactly the same number, 50% of uh, their total accumulated uh, work revenue over their lifetimes will be spent on health care. So both the U.S. numbers and the global WHO numbers are very, very consistent uh, for what's coming. And so it, it, it's clear that global population health and, and global health care are going to have a tremendous impact on uh, employers and employees. And uh, so it, it seems to me that that it would make sense for you know for global employers to work together as uh, in an effort to improve global population health. Uh, does that make sense to you? I'm curious. Yes, I mean these are unsustainable numbers, and it's a, a result of the tsunami of chronic diseases that we're facing into, um, and I think it. It bears out the importance of looking at our healthcare system, not only in the, US, in the U.S., but around the globe, and, and appreciating the fact that it tends to be more of an illness-focused delivery system. And if we could be more deliberate about rebalancing that and focusing on prevention and increasing the awareness of the importance of the social determinants of health and how they impact outcomes and redesign the healthcare system and financing uh, mechanisms to to do more around prevention. I, I think that's really critical. As I look at our workforce, you know, we have the same kinds of chronic conditions uh, that developing and and developed countries have in terms of uh, you know diabetes and cardiovascular disease. But what we've really started to focus on is more prevention approaches. And so just to, just to give you a couple of specific stories, because this really isn't brain surgery. This is doing an assessment of the health status of our 65,000 employees and, and going after the low-hanging fruit. But we've actually really had a, a, a push on increasing our vaccination coverage, our adult vaccination coverage for our workforce and bringing vaccine clinics to where people meet. And so we've had great success increasing the numbers of, of uh, work, workers who have been um, appropriately vaccinated as well as screened for cancer. Uh, so our cancer screening rates have not exceeded healthy, 2020, healthy people 2020 goals. And, uh, and, and we, should achieve, we should strive to achieve that. We've also been focusing on uh, the the thirty seven percent of our employees that are at risk for developing diabetes, and in in particular areas around the world, those those numbers are even higher. And so we are leveraging the CDC's diabetes prevention program to really provide some very uh, 
employee and family-centric interventions and support systems to slow the progression of those conditions towards a diagnosis. So our my initial work with employees has really been uh, oriented around improving our investment in prevention. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's those kinds of efforts that I think, you know, if, if the private sector could take on more at more scale, where we could start to see an impact and, and have meaningful contributions on global health. And is that uh, the group that you belong to, the network, the Global Chief Medical Officers Network, Officers Network, is that uh, a venue, uh, or, or are there other venues where uh, chief medical officers um, get together to focus specifically on on a global population health through the employer channel? That's one group. In, in the United States, we have the National Business Group on Health, which is a, a wonderful organization that has been you know, in this space, employer work, work health for many, many years, and they have regional groups as well, such as the, Nat, the New England or the Northeast Business Group on Health. There's also a global organization, the Global Business Group on Health, and the, um, the, the Business Institute, the Integrated Business Institute, uh, that's also focused. So there, there's a lot, there's a whole industry, Zev, really, helping to support employers in their quest to improve workplace health and well-being. Uh, I've been working very closely with Dr. Ray Fabius, who is a subject matter expert in this space, and he's done some really interesting work looking at cultures of well-being and has found that companies that reach a benchmark status where they have you know, successfully uh, executed on changing the paradigm of their culture and they've got a culture of well-being those companies tend to perform better on the stock market than, than comparable companies who have not invested to the degree in developing cultures of well-being. So that's one of my missions. And I'm, in fact, I'm working uh, with Ray and his company called Health Next to, um, to, to, to get some guidance on how, how, how best to most efficiently develop a culture of well-being. It's a, it's a pretty... Um, challenging, but but uh, a very important goal that we have. You know, I I, I think for me at least, uh, I'm learning uh, a bunch from you in terms of how extensive uh, this channel is for improving global population health through the uh, corporate em- employer uh, space. Um, I, I was familiar with with the National Business Group on, on Health and. Uh, but uh, not with the global one and, and, and even the network you were discussing. And uh, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, it's, it makes sense. Uh, it's just something that I, I suspect most uh, physician leaders or healthcare leaders are, are probably unaware of. Uh, and, and I say it makes sense. And, and for the, you know, for the listeners uh, to the show, uh, it, if you look at the stakeholders in healthcare, the employer stakeholder is obviously the one that is ultimately footing the bill. Um, while uh, while Medicare CMS pays, at least in this country, uh, the majority of healthcare bills, uh, the employer stakeholder group actually is a substantial percentage uh, of all uh, uh, of all uh, healthcare uh, bill paying, and so very very vested. 
uh, in improving healthcare uh, from the perspective uh, of, of the cost. But I think as as you were pointing out, there, Catherine, there there is literature that suggests that it goes beyond that, and that uh, improving the health and wellness uh, and well-being of employees actually uh, has a benefit uh, in terms of productivity and um, and in, in terms of uh, financial health of the organization, uh, in addition to the, the the cost issue itself. Yeah, employers have been paying approximately 7% more year over year. And, you know, the traditional view is to look at healthcare benefits and the cost of, of healthcare from an employer perspective as a cost center. Um, we are looking at it really as a business imperative because the, the, the dollars that you spend on healthcare are actually um, only part of the value equation and, and organizations will spend two to three dollars more for every dollar they spend on healthcare on things like absenteeism, worker replacement, presenteeism, short and long-term disabilities, and the costs associated with having uh, a workforce that is not as healthy. And so uh, I think it's really important to start to open up the lens of how we look at healthcare and see it as a, as a critical business imperative versus a cost center. Um, some of the, you know, initiatives that we've had within the organization are also just around focusing on daily habits and helping people make the healthy choice, the easy choice. And, and some examples are, you know, not only, uh, you know, supporting use of our gyms that are on site, but also taking those gyms outside the four walls of their, their structure and bringing uh, movement and activity and exercise into the workplace and making it um, permissible for people to spend some time during the day taking care of their bodies. And so we're promoting walking meetings. We're also working with our, our, health, with our food vendors to create you know, healthier choices for people and we've got we've we've created some differential pricing to reduce the the cost of healthy foods and um, minimally increase the the cost of less than healthy foods. And so these little these little changes can add up to you know important um, benefits. Um, it, a, a story that I can tell you is uh, we had uh, some people we're asking for sit-stand desks in, in the company. And sit-stand desks are not inexpensive. They're, they're a, 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 an important piece of equipment for people who have back pain or back injuries who want to spend part of their day standing because we know that sitting is the new smoking, right? It's, there's risk factors associated with, with sitting in your chair all day, which is kind of easy to do in a, in a business environment. So we purchased uh, sit-stand desks and installed them throughout some of the buildings and the the level of appreciation that people had because it, the sit-stand desk became rather iconic for our 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 interest and our desire to become more healthy within the workplace uh, and and it's just created a lot of positive enthusiasm and energy and we now have a champions network established so not only do we have leadership support but we've got a, sort of a grassroots effort of people who gather together and share best practices and 
and are champions within their own social network and their own departments around well-being. And so it's, it's, it's starting to catch on fire. And what we found is it doesn't necessarily come from uh, always human resources departments or health services departments within, within companies, but bringing those, those departments together and having someone be a real catalyst to connect the dots around safety and health and emotional health and, and financial health, uh, you can really power up um, the, the, the energy around a culture of well-being in an organization. I think what we're experiencing right now is, is really a fascinating paradigm shift. Catherine, so many questions I have for you. What um, What is the most significant or largest employee health issue you're tackling right now? Um, I've got. I don't want to. I don't want to ask a leading question. I, I've got some thoughts about it, but, but and, and are you having success with it? And if you want, I can lead you with. That. Yeah. No. 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 We've. You know. We. We spent about seven months doing a comprehensive analysis of our, of our current health status. And we asked three questions. What is the health of our population? How much does it cost? And how do people feel about the organizations supporting their wellness and well-being? Uh, and we used six different data sets, uh, including you know, claims data. Uh, the Integrated Business Institute has a... Um, a tool that we used as well. We created our own survey. We used our, uh, our personal health assessment results, and we did this comprehensive assessment. And we found a couple of things. One, that we have opportunities to improve specific conditions, uh, including our, our rate of cardiometabolic syndrome and our, our risks for diabetes. And it's no greater than the average American risk or develop or the, you know, the prevalence that you see in developed countries. But I work for a healthcare company and having average health to me is insufficient. We should be striving to have the, the healthiest workforce in the world. Um, and so we can address the, you know, we, we could, we started some initiatives to address the, the rates of adult vaccines. Um, we, we have, you know, high stress, which is, comparable to other companies our size. I mean, stress is a, is a significant factor in the workplace. And so we've launched a, a program around mindfulness that we're just uh, starting to, to uh, promote right now. But I think that the, the most important opportunity that I would like to get my arms around is uh, risk, risks associated with developing cardiometabolic syndrome, you know, diabetes, hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, and, and, uh, and increased weight. I think that is such a universal uh, problem uh, that if we could start to really find ways for employers to, to lean into that issue and start to address uh, you know, mechanisms by which we could prevent that that literally tsunami of diabetes that we're feeling around the world, that would be really important. So we've actually started a pilot program uh, with a particular sort of hot spot that we found in our, in our workforce and are working uh, to, uh, to, to address uh, prevention. 
are and what about uh, for instance the issue of smoking cessation how is that an issue in in, in your organization are you working on that I, I imagine it, there are probably variations in all these things across different countries uh, and, and how are you sort of addressing that are you, you know, you might be focusing on on one particular chronic disease in one country, and, and another or another preventive issue in another country. Or, or are you finding that collectively, as you're saying, uh, chronic disease and cardiometabolic disease is just so ubiquitous that it's just spread across the globe, and so it makes it easier for you to focus on that. that how, how, that's how, true, but I, I, you know, smoking is um, is an area that we've identified as well, and. Uh, a number of companies have gone tobacco-free. So it's not just smoking, it's actually all forms of tobacco use. And we've just um, reviewed our policies and have uh, made the decision to uh, eliminate tobacco from our campuses across Pennsylvania. This is just the beginning of what will be a global effort over the next couple of years. Um, So, I mean, it's harder in some countries because smoking is... A little bit more common, um, but I, I think that it is absolutely a risk factor that we can do something about, at least in it, within our work sites. And so we've actually uh, put a stake in the ground and decided to go uh, smoke-free in select campuses, and we'll be expanding that uh, aggressively in 2018 and thereafter. So, um, you know, there are so many different elements to creating health that you know, once you start and, and you get, you, you feel the energy and the enthusiasm of your, of your colleagues to, to drive this forward, it, it really can create um, significant change in an organization and, and be a, a North Star for people to rally around. So we're, ha- we're having, you know, more success than I ever thought we, we would at this point, because I've only been in this position for a year and a half and, and employee health is only part of my set of responsibilities, but uh, it's it's really taken off, and I'm quite pleased. Catherine, I know you're uh, you're passionate about this issue, and I'm I'm just wondering what what about this is is so compelling for you? What, why are you? Uh, I mean, you, you devote a lot of time and energy to this, even though it's only part of your your role there at Merck, but. I, I know how keen you are on this. What, what, what's gripping about this for you? I think as I age, health becomes more and more important. Um, you know, I look at my kids who are in, in their younger 20s. I have three, three children, and they're very healthy, and they take health for granted, um, you know, as I, as I grow older, I think it's, it's critically important to stay as healthy as, as you can, because it allows you to be, to, to be the best version of you. And so, uh, if I can create environments that enable people to, to be healthy, you know, with, with fewer barriers, uh, I think it's, it's, it will be an important contribution. I mean, per- personally, I try to stay healthy by, eating very well and, and exercising. I'm a runner, although I don't run, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no marathoner, that's for sure. And I'm also an equestrian, which it looks easy because you're sitting on top of the horse and it looks like the horse is doing all the work, but, uh, riding horses is actually a very physical activity and requires great strength and balance. 
And so I do these things because I, I not only enjoy them immensely, but I feel healthy. Um, it, you know, it's, it's actually been shown that people who work with horses when they enter into a barn environment with the, these, these quiet, you know, uh, extraordinary animals that, that, that their blood pressure actually is reduced during the time that they're there. There's, there's something about working with large animals that is calming and, uh, and, and creates a kind of mindfulness. Um, and so I think that there are a lot of benefits to, uh, to, to doing things that you enjoy that also improve your health. Uh, and, and create that balance in your life, you know, as well as the craziness of, of uh, the workforce or the workplace. So it's, it's a personal passion of mine, and I, and, and, I, and I think it can be infectious. You know, Catherine, as you're talking, I'm, I'm beginning to see this image, and it's a bit of a reframe also uh, for me. We spend so much time at, at, at work, uh, and... Uh, compared to the time, especially during the week, obviously, that we spend at home. And, uh, and you know, as you're talking, I, I'm sort of reframing in my own mind the idea that the workplace, which I think has been devoid of a lot of uh, kind of the human touch, and uh, it's a place a little bit sterile. You, you go there, do your job, and you leave. But you're describing a workplace that um, is different. It, it actually could become a healthcare center, um, and it's a sort of virtuous cycle. Uh, you know, as people feel better, are better, uh, they work better, they contribute more. So it, it, it just feeds itself. Uh, so, so I, I'm really, I'm really understanding. Uh, you know, there's almost a vision that's a, emerging from the way you're describing why you're doing this. And, uh, and then on top of it, the, the fact that you're, you're talking about a workplace that is actually an international workplace now makes it a global uh, effort that you're, you're speaking to and, and creating a, a different reframe of, of, of population health uh, through the employer space as well. And so it, it's actually, to me, it just seems like a huge opportunity that perhaps we haven't taken as much advantage of as we might. And, and in fact, uh, again, my own in ignorance about some of these organizations that you've been involved with, uh, working with chief medical officers and others in, 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 uh, in employee health, uh, to really, you know, it's almost a bit of a, a silent movement, it seems to me. I I'm wondering what, why isn't this more uh, well known? Why, why? Don't you have a better brand in terms of the, the, the corporate or employee health as, as, as the, 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 the potential center for health care or even for population, global population health? What, what do you think has is, is kept it uh, less well known than it might otherwise be? And, and I'm just wondering, have you, in this work, and I know you've only been deeply involved in it for a year and a half um, or so, what what do you think some of the challenges are, some of the the, the blocks you've come across? And, and again, part of my purpose here using this show is is really not only to to inform and inspire the listeners, but you know I I'm, I I think this could be a vehicle to support the work that that you and others are doing in this domain. It's uh, I think you make some very valid points. You know, disease management in the workplace 
has not had a stellar history. Um, you know, we've been hard pressed, if you look at the literature, to actually show a material and sustainable improvement as a result of what was, you know, perceived to be traditional disease management programs. So you had a workforce that had conditions and you brought in a, a vendor to uh, create some interventions and it, it just didn't have sticking power and it didn't really demonstrate improvements overall. But I think that that's, and that was sort of the nascent um, beginnings of, of what is now becoming more important uh, as workplace health and wellness uh, is hitting the radar. And I think it's, it's, it requires certainly leadership support and advocacy. It's, it's one of the critical success factors of actually making a difference in, in creating a culture of well-being. So you've got to have leadership fully engaged in advocating and supporting the wellness and in, in wellness at work. But you've also, you've also, you know, got to address the built environment, um, You've got to have grassroots efforts. You've got to teach managers that uh, supporting the health and well-being of their employees is really important, and they should be accountable for uh, doing so in their yearly performance uh, assessment plans. Um, you know, it, it, in, in organizations that have implemented a lot of different domains of workplace wellness, have actually shown to have greater productivity. Um, so I, I think it's, it's becoming more and more recognized as, as important, but it's not a simple disease management intervention uh, that we've historically looked at. It's more of a, a total corporate holistic wellness effort that includes safety, emotional and mental health, uh, as well as, as physical health. So it's, it's, I think it's been an evolution and we're starting to see some compelling data that, um, that I think will, you know, will bring more people on board, uh, around the globe. You know, as you're talking again, uh, uh, you're, you're just, uh, stimulating me with, uh, thoughts, but in our organization and in others, we have incentives for doing healthful activities, whether it's a annual wellness visit exam uh, using a, utilizing a health coach, losing weight, smoking cessation, etc. I, I just wonder, you know, would it be possible? And I have no expertise on, on the HR side of this, but you know, to actually start to include a, a, in your annual uh, goals and your annual assessment of your work uh, a health goal that uh, could that actually be part of uh, an employee's uh, expectation for what they're going to accomplish during the year. Because again, if you're, if you're not taking care of yourself or you're letting that part of you slip, and again, it's not, it's not just the physical, as you're pointing out, uh, there's the emotional and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, behavioral health and, and, and relational. So it is a bit of a, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly a holistic issue that contributes to employees, uh, energy and their resilience and their sustainability and their, uh, ability to perform well. So, uh, so I just, uh, I, I don't know if that's within the realm of, uh, of possibility or reality, but, uh, 
that would be uh, that would be a, an interesting organization to work for. One that actually uh, thought it important enough to to uh, your health to actually make that uh, one of your performance goals for the mm -hmm. year. What what? Let me ask you what uh, if if let's fast forward three five years. And you've been, uh, and I'm sure you will be, wildly successful in in the in the employee health and and population global population health through the employer channel work that you're doing. What what would it look like? I mean, do you have a do you have some sort of a vision or a sense or even a, a piece of a picture of what you're striving for? What would good would look like? I think it goes back to some of the, your earlier comments thirty minutes ago, which was to you know for Merck to be a catalyst for other corporations, global corporations, to drive uh, health and well-being in the workplace to the extent that it has not only an impact on workers, but their families and communities. Um, and, and also, you know, starts to have an impact on some of the social determinants of health, which is you know, we know is, is a major contributor to, to, to outcomes. So I think if we could establish leadership in uh, demonstrating the, the value, not only to employees, but the business itself and the industries uh, in which we work, I think it, it could, uh, it could be an, a really important contribution to improving population health. Now that's, you know, it's only going to go so far. But when you look at the, the size of the workforce around the globe, there's, there's a lot of work to be done, but the impact could be enormous. Well, I really like what you said before. Uh, you, you slipped in a phrase, and I don't know if it's uh, something you were using as a tagline or a meme in, at, at, at Merck, but uh, the idea of making the healthy choice the easy choice. I just uh, I love that phrase, and uh, to me that seems to be a, at least a piece of the picture. If you, if you could establish that, or we could establish that, if corporations could establish that uh, as much as they can within their bounds, and, and again, corporations are a huge part of communities, and uh, so their reach is actually pretty significant, uh, even outside of their four walls. And so the idea of actually contributing to a a community and a national and a global effort uh, sponsored by corporations and employers to make uh, a healthy choice, the easy choice. Boy, that would be, to my mind, that would be revolutionary if we took the, your phrase and, and really made that the slogan for this movement. So um, what, 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 how does that strike you? Is that, is that, are you, are you, it's your phrase, so uh, you could use it any way you want. To. <laughs> that, that would be great. You know, it's, it's uh, it's not that complicated, Zev. It it really isn't. It's not hard to to support. You know this this com and I think what we're seeing is is a sense of community is coming out of this. You know, a sense of belonging, and so getting other people to support making the healthy choice, the easy choice. You know, you you can create a movement with this, and uh, and there's just a lot of energy to be to be tapped. Um, it, it is it's really been sort of extraordinary 
for me to see how this is evolving. But again, it's not, it's not really hard to do. Make the, make the healthy choice, the easy choice. It's not hard to do. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you then, Catherine, if it's not that hard to do, I would suggest you take it back to the chief medical officers network and that other network you were talking about that during, what was that called? The integrated Integrated business institute and take it to the global business group and the national business group. I I would, if if what you're saying is true, then I would love to see that slogan uh, really kind of more ubiquitous and, and, corporations really getting on board with that and supporting it. I, I think I really, I buy into the message. You, you, you've actually reframed the whole situation for me in a lot of ways. I, I never really thought of employee health as, as a uh, potential channel to really improve the health of uh, communities and, and the nation and uh, even as a channel for improving global population health. I, I think you've really kind of opened that up for me um, and um, and you know, I, I, I think the I think the, the the concept is is potentially simple in some ways, but the execution requires a you know a, a definite commitment and alignment uh, to carry it out. And you know, clearly the return on investment is there. I think there's enough literature to support that now uh, that uh, organizations around uh, companies around the nation and are really investing in their communities and, and seeing tremendous returns and lots of examples of that. So, so Catherine, I, I think we're going we're, we're gonna, to, I know you have to uh, move on and, and we're going to uh, sort of close now, but um, do you have, you shared your own kind of healthy habits or daily habits and, and what keeps you going and keeps you healthy. Uh, any, any sort of uh, final thoughts for, for our listeners? Uh, uh, and it could be any message you want. Doesn't doesn't have to be limited to uh, to global population health. But if it is, that'd be great. Sure, I want to impress upon people that it's um, that you don't need a huge budget and a, a, a large staff to create cultures of of well being within corporations. I have the only two people who are dedicated to this, and. Um, and, and not a lot of resources from a financial standpoint. Um, but I think it's, it, it, you know, it really doesn't take a huge investment. It takes passion and it takes a couple of people who can serve as catalysts within an organization. And believe it or not, those individuals are probably pretty easy to find. Uh, you just need to tap into the right, the right folks. So the message here is that this is a, a doable thing. Um, and just requires a little bit of, of attention by a couple of people and you can really make a, a, a significant difference. So I'm honored to, to, um, to be working in this space and, uh, and, and to try to create this movement, not only within, within Merck, but uh, across the globe. So I hope that others can join me. Catherine, one last question. For listeners who are interested in learning more about this, where, where could they go online or what, what sites can they look at to learn more about, about employee health and, and this part of the global population health? Would... Well, there are a couple of sites. Um, Hero, H-E-R-O, is an organization that supports best practices in around workplace wellness. I think that, again, the National Business Group on Health, NBGH, and for a global perspective, um, the Global Business Group on Health, 
they have you know, all of those organizations in IBI have enormous resources um, that you can tap into. So I think those are really good places to start. Great. And what you mentioned IBI, I'm sorry, I missed yep. that. Integrated Business Institute. Okay. That's, that was the, and there, are, there are other organizations I'm sure that I, that I've not mentioned. Um, but a, a simple Google search would, would point the way. Catherine, I, I want to sincerely thank you for contributing to, uh, to uh, creating a new healthcare today. And I'd like to thank our listener participants out there who are doing the hard work each and every day. This is Zeb Neuwirth. You've been listening to Creating a New Healthcare.